This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Monday, January 28, 2013. I'm Caleb Brown. People are still wondering precisely how the feds will enforce or change drug laws in light of marijuana legalization in Washington and Colorado. Vanderbilt Law Professor Robert Mikos is author of On the Limits of Federal Supremacy, When States Relax or Abandon Marijuana Bans, available at Cato.org. We spoke following a forum for the study held last month. Discussion since the passage of marijuana initiatives in Colorado and Washington has uh, turned to what the federal government will do in response to these initiatives. And it seems to me that the feds are really misrepresenting, or at least a lot of law enforcement officials are sort of misrepresenting what the Constitution actually says about the division of power between states and the federal government. What are they saying, and how should we be thinking of this concept known as federal supremacy? Well, the typical view of federal-state relations is is very simplistic. It says basically that if there is a conflict between state and federal law, the state law has to give way, and that's by virtue of the supremacy clause of the Constitution. So oftentimes you will see federal officials, uh, we've even seen some state officials who oppose what their states have done, invoke this concept of of federal supremacy in the hopes of blocking the implementation of state laws that differ from federal laws. And the most prominent case we have today really involves marijuana legalization in Colorado and Washington uh, and the medical marijuana laws that preceded them in now 18 states. Uh, But that principle, that simplistic uh, principle, I think fails to capture an important limitation on federal supremacy. So it is true that if there is a a conflict between federal and state law, the state law must give way. But there's an exception to that principle when a state doesn't regulate private conduct, but instead, in essence, chooses to deregulate it. Uh, when the state, in other words, decides that it no longer wants to place restrictions on some private activity, like the use of marijuana. Uh, In that instance, the federal government can't preempt the state law, uh, because in that instance, preemption is tantamount to something known as commandeering. Uh, Commandeering is where the federal government orders a state to pass a certain law, or perhaps orders state law enforcement officials to help enforce a federal law. Uh, And that's something the Supreme Court has held uh, for quite a long time now that the federal government may not do. Uh, There were a couple of cases in the 1990s under the Rehnquist Court where the court rejuvenated this anti-commandeering rule, but it actually stems back to the mid-1800s, where there were a couple of cases where the court similarly held that the federal government could not force state agents to help enforce the controversial Fugitive Slave Act. Basically, you couldn't force a state marshal to help round up someone uh, who was accused of being a fugitive slave. So this anti-commandeering rule puts an important constraint on the federal government's power to manipulate the states, to basically force the states to toe the line. Uh, It doesn't mean that the states can repeal federal law. Um, It is a a somewhat limited 
concept. Uh, it only goes so far as to allow the states to repeal their own laws, their own regulations. Um, but still, it, it has an important practical effect uh, because on a lot of issues, the states have really borne uh, the bulk of uh, the work of enforcing certain laws. Now, with respect to the federal government and states uh, on the marijuana issue specifically, the feds have really had held their cards close to the to the vest and haven't really provided any help uh, when uh, state officials have been, uh, I think, asking for some sort of guidance about how to proceed. There are federal laws in play in states, and the feds obviously have a, a myriad options when trying to enforce federal law in these states. But I think state officials are sort of waiting for assistance. Well, that's true. It, it would be helpful uh, if you're a state official and you're trying to figure out how exactly to uh, frame your laws. It would be helpful to know how the federal government is going to respond in different scenarios. And it's true that the Department of Justice has been remarkably silent, particularly with respect to the passage of the two most recent initiatives, marijuana legalization in Washington and Colorado. Uh, there might be a number of, of reasons for that. Um, there could be some turnover at the DOJ. Uh, it could also be that the federal government is just waiting to see how these measures unfold in those states. Um, but I think it does hurt the state somewhat uh, that they don't know how the federal government is going to respond. They don't know what sort of challenges it might bring. Um, they don't know what sort of laws they might pass that would ameliorate federal concerns. Um, they can look to the experience of a number of states with respect to medical marijuana. I think that's a, a good analogous case um, for guidance about how the federal government might respond. I think it's fair to say that over the last decade or so, the federal government has been much more aggressive, uh, clamping down on the medical marijuana market in states that did a poor job of regulating that market. Uh, and California uh, is the most notorious example there. California has done very little at the state level to try to supervise and control its medical marijuana exemptions uh, and these medical marijuana dispensaries. Uh, it's basically foisted that issue down another level, down into the county and local level uh, with very little guidance. By contrast, a few other states have done uh, a fairly good job of regulating the medical marijuana industry. They've set up licensing systems. Um, they've set up a lot of rules and regulations that dispensaries are supposed to follow, uh, including Colorado uh, has been one of the, the leaders in that regard. Uh, it has more than 70 pages of regulations governing how uh, medical marijuana dispensaries are supposed to act. I think Partly for that reason, the federal government hasn't been as aggressive in Colorado in cracking down on the medical marijuana industry. It's, it's backed off a little bit more. So the states might learn something from that experience and, and might figure out that if as long as they put some controls on this, this new industry, even if they don't criminalize it, as long as they put some effective controls on it, the federal government might uh, be more likely to respond in, in a more accepting way. One wrinkle here and it, it may not be a wrinkle, but maybe you can help clarify, the federal government has laws prohibiting uh, marijuana being uh, sold or marketed, but they're collecting tax revenue on the sale of it in states where medical marijuana is legal and 
of course, they will be collecting tax revenue from Washington and Colorado. It just seems like an odd situation for the feds. Oh, it is an odd situation. And it's actually a, a situation that exists in a number of states as well. I, I think people are surprised to hear that some 20 state governments already tax marijuana. Uh, and this isn't even including the states that tax medical marijuana. Um, so you have roughly 20 state governments that treat recreational marijuana and medicinal marijuana uh, as criminal. Um, they ban the substance, and yet they're also collecting tax revenues uh, from it. Um, that's constitutionally permissible as long as you don't force these uh, distributors to identify themselves, to incriminate themselves under the Fifth Amendment. Uh, it's fine if they can pay the tax anonymously, but there is a disconnect. The, the federal government is making money on this. The federal government, uh, the DEA, has brought in billions of dollars on uh, uh, asset forfeitures as well uh, over the last decade uh, from uh, drug dealers across the globe. Um, but there's a disconnect between making money off of drugs. Uh, governments are, are doing that to some extent, um, but also prescribing those very same drugs. You say in your paper that the Supreme Court has never addressed preemption directly, uh, despite claims to the contrary. What What is the question that, that needs to be answered directly, as clearly as you can say it? The question is, may a state legalize under state law something that the federal government forbids? That's an issue the Supreme Court has never confronted. It's confronted a related issue, which is that uh, the federal government, it, it has said that the federal government may ban something that the state allows, and the fact that the state allows it has no bearing on a federal prosecution, but it's never given guidance on you know, this issue of, you, know, you, you have this, uh, these two recent measures passed in Washington and Colorado, could a state police officer drag somebody into court, you know, arrest them, drag them into court, try to prosecute them uh, under the, the pre-existing state bans on marijuana on the theory that these new laws are somehow preempted because federal law bans marijuana. That, that's a question that the Supreme Court has never squarely confronted uh, to, the, to this day. What about the role of this federal police power? These are, especially with regard to substances, these are things that traditionally states have, have dealt with. And it seems like just the fact that there is this growing federal police power this actually introduces one of the wrinkles here. Well, I think the the Supreme Court has settled that issue, uh, rightly or wrongly. Um, it had a case uh, called Raich that it decided uh, in 2005, where um, it held the federal government had the power to ban a substance like marijuana, um, even when that substance is simply being grown in one's backyard. Now, that's the most extreme application of the federal drug ban that, that you could possibly imagine. And the Supreme Court was comfortable with that, um, said that was part of Congress's power under the Constitution, under the Commerce Clause, because there are interstate markets uh, in drugs such as this. And because growing marijuana in your backyard can affect that market, even while not participating in it, 
this is a legitimate reach. Correct. You could say that someone who grows it in their backyard might end up selling some that that seeps out into another state, um, or that that person, by growing it in their backyard, is no longer purchasing some other drug that is going to be shipped in from another state. So there are all sorts of different theories you can posit for how even this very mundane and, and seemingly private activity could affect interstate commerce. And to the court, that that settles the legal issue. Now, there's a, a practical issue as well. You can say that the, the Supreme Court has endorsed a very broad vision of the federal government's police power, but as a practical matter, the federal government just doesn't have the resources uh, to back up that same exercise of authority. Um, so we have on the books now some 3,000 or so different federal criminal statutes. And you could claim that many of those are, are not uh, valid under the Constitution, but as a practical matter, the federal government is, has a tough time enforcing all of them, or at least enforcing all of them vigorously. And that's why I think these new state measures concerning marijuana um, are such a big deal on a practical level. Um, the states are, are sort of pulling out of this war on marijuana that was conducted jointly with the federal government historically. Um, and the states were really the ones that, that shouldered the, the bulk of, of this war. Um, they were handling the, the vast majority of marijuana cases. Um, you know, we have 18 million regular users of marijuana in the United States. Um, that's a problem that the federal government just can't handle on its own. It's got 5,000 DEA agents. Uh, those agents are tasked with policing not just marijuana, but all illicit drugs. They can't handle this problem on their own. So you have a, a legal power, uh, and you have a number of federal laws on the books that are controversial, but you don't necessarily have the same practical power, the, the power to enforce those laws. Uh, so again, there's, there's sort of a disconnect between the two versions of power, what sort of power we're talking about. Robert Mikos is author of the new Cato paper on the limits of federal supremacy when states relax or abandon marijuana bans. You can get your copy at Cato.org.